Um, you know, they're, they're like, well, I want you to tell me, you know, tell me what to eat. Um, and my immediate answer to those people, um, is I try to help them to understand that I want this to be a lifestyle change. back everybody to feed the machine podcast this will be episode number 41 i'm mike costelli and with me i have chrissy Barron. how are you doing chrissy good how are you i'm very good so today we have a bit of a special episode we've got a couple of guests on board some brand ambassadors for nova 3 labs who do we have here today so um just reeling it back a little bit. So I we have this Facebook group where we have all of the uh, ambassadors that we partner with. Uh, and I reached out to them and I said, you know, we really want to bring some people on to showcase their strengths. And, um, you know, I feel like on each podcast we talk about ourselves and our own experiences. But a lot of times other people's experiences are much different. They can be applied in different ways. and Lindsay, I'm going to let them do a quick intro about themselves and their backgrounds. And then we're going to go into some questions where Shane will answer from more, well, Shane and Lindsay can both answer from the athlete side, and then Lindsay and Mike will answer from the nutritionist point of view, and then I'll kind of just be fielding the questions. Um, so Shane, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about your background? Sure. Uh, Shane DeFreitas. I am primarily a elite-level gymnast background. Um, started a little bit late when I was 11. I was at the Olympics at the age of 18. Um, I continued on until the age of 25, competing at the elite level, international competitions, world championships. I uh, went to college, got a skill named after me, retired immediately after college, and um, kind of dabbled in a few other sports, randomly picked up archery, uh, got into surfing, and then the CrossFit world uh, kind of dragged me in for my gymnastics background, coaching expertise, etc. And so now I've, I've done a bit of comp- competing um, as a gymnast specialist in, in the grid, um, just do some general CrossFit, which I am not nearly as good at as I was a gymnast, but uh, I still kind of keep the grind and do that on the daily with the, the coaching side of it as well. Cool. And uh, when did you meet your wife? Oh, that's a that's an interesting story. I met her when I was fourteen. I think she was thirteen. Uh, we met in Florida at Brown's Gymnastics. We dated a little bit when we were teenagers. Um, we were both competing internationally. Uh, I was competing for Barbados. She was competing for the U.S. and and so our paths kept crossing over the years. And then for about. I guess more like five to ten years, we really didn't see each other, but uh, the good old Facebook kept us somewhat in touch, and we were both kind of at uh, interesting points in our lives, and she was like, well, why don't you come up and visit me, and she has a gym up here, and you know, we just kind of rekindled, I guess, a, a teenage romance, and now we're married. That is a they cool re- story. They re- that is really cool <laughs> They're newlyweds. Yeah, two months now. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Thank you. So, okay, so, oh, and by the way, also his wife is a badass gymnastics um, Olympian as well. Just side note that, so. Significantly better than me. She uh, she has the hardware, she's got the silver medal, and she's got two skills named after her, so. Oh. So, 
cool. And, and so just qu quick question on that. Um, having a skill named after you, do you have to invent that skill? Is that like brand new on the floor or how did that happen? Uh, yeah, you're essentially correct there. So the first person to compete a skill at uh, World Championships or an Olympics gets their name put on it. Wow. So my particular skill, it was sort of a, a build-up skill. There was two people who did skills. They were named after them. Another guy put those two together. It was named after him. I took his skill and added kind of an extra half turn onto it, and then I got my name put on it. I'm sure that wasn't easy as, as it sounds, right? Just through a half. From the, from the time I kind of conceptualized the skill, I was sort of at the midway point of those skills I just described, and it took me about five years to get my name on it. Wow. wow. That's crazy. That's awesome. Okay, Lindsay, so go into a little bit of your background, your athletic history, and then what you do now. Okay, yeah. Um, I'm Lindsay Ewan. I am originally from Evansville, Indiana. I now live in Northern Kentucky, um, Cincinnati area. I am a former college athlete. I played basketball, women's basketball and tennis um, at Oakland City University in Indiana. Um, I graduated with an early childhood degree and a business minor. Um, I found out very quickly that that wasn't what I wanted to do. Um, so I've always been, you know, in, in sports and I've always been an athlete and so I got the opportunity to help open a CrossFit gym in Evansville. Um, it was CrossFit Lions Pride at the time. Um, so when I had graduated college in 2013, um, I got the opportunity to help open a gym and I was the full-time trainer there, um, which was an amazing experience um, to be a part of as soon as you grad graduate college, you know, to have a, a dream job that that you want to do in your passion. Um, and then my husband and I um, had decided to move to this area. Uh, my, my brother lives here. So we, we love the area and um, had applied to jobs. And I am now a part of CrossFit the Tracks. Um, we're the Tracks Fitness Lab. We do, um, you know, we do personal training. We do, we have burn classes, which are a lot like boot camp. We do CrossFit classes. Um, I do nutrition with my clients um, in the gym and as well as people outside of the gym. Um, I've always been a competitive athlete. Um, I've um, actually, this year, I have, I've qualified um, as a team of three for um, Wadapalooza in the elite division, which I'm super excited about um, in January. So. so we'll see you there. I'm excited. Yeah. I know, I'm super excited. And Lengthy Gym does a really good job of uh, putting out videos and tips. Um, so I was going to have, actually, at the end of the podcast, we're going to have everyone give their social media handles in case anyone wants to um, stay up to date on you guys. Uh, they can go ahead and follow you. <clears throat> um, so we're going to start off here, and uh, we fielded some questions from many various people to, to help us out today. So... Uh, <laughs> So I think one we get a lot, um, you know, because we also do nutrition, is people want us to do meal plans. So, uh, Lindsay, Mike, what's your thought process on providing clientele, clients with meal plans, and why or why not? Uh, Lindsay, why don't you go ahead first? I got a pretty strong opinion on this one. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, so, for first off. Um, I, I tell people how, 
how much more, um, how much, there's a lot more put into that um, for specific meal plans. Um, I don't offer that for my people. Um, you know, they're, they're like, well, I want you to tell me, you know, tell me what to eat. Um, and my immediate answer to those people um, is I try to help them to understand that I want this to be a lifestyle change. Because um, a lot of these people that I deal, you know, that I, my clients that come in, um, they, they aren't eating bad, but they aren't eating the greatest. And I feel like a lot of my people think, you know, these crash diets. So, you know, the paleo or a whole 30, like they think, okay, I need to get this mindset of, I need to be doing this type of diet, um, for 30 days versus, okay, let's, let's see what you're eating. Um, by, you know, you tracking it in my fitness pal and I following you. Um, and I'm, you know, we're slowly eliminating this and adding this. Um, so just kind of slowly seeing how this person eats and how they react to what they're eating. Um, and not giving them a specific diet. That's, that's my opinion. Yeah. I, uh, I a hundred percent agree with that. Um, I get asked a lot for meal plans, um, in the past, in the early, early days of my consulting, um, I did do meal plans, example meal plans for people who I thought might really need it. Now, I do think there might be some value in that for somebody who's struggling, like really insanely struggling and, and, and doesn't have a clue really coming in. Most of the clients that I have, probably much like you, Lindsay, like they're, they're eating well, they understand a bit about quality, they understand a bit about quantity, but um, they they already have a pretty good grasp. Um, but, but now I, I really, I, yeah, I guess I'm trying to pull some punches here and I won't, I just don't, I don't do meal plans at all. Um, I don't like that concept. That's really spoon feeding somebody what to eat without giving them the educational component. And that's really where I feel the value is. And the learning curve for some people can be very steep when you start discussing quantity, when you start discussing quality. But once someone gets over that learning curve of like, okay, how do I track my macros? What are my total caloric needs? And what am I looking at from a, from a quality point of view? Um, once somebody has a good grasp on that, it makes everything else that much easier, whether you're traveling or eating out or going to a Christmas party, you don't have to worry. If you're handcuffed to a meal plan and all of a sudden you've got uh, a six hour flight or you're staying with your in-laws for a week or, or whatever situation you're in. Um, if you understand the basics of the quantity and quality, then you don't need a meal plan. But if, if your nutritionist has only ever given you a meal plan and has told you what to eat, when you're on your own, you don't have any training wheels, like you're screwed, right? So that's, yeah. why, that's why I won't do meal plans. And it, it's interesting, just the other day I had a client ask me for one. And I said, you know, you're not going to like this answer, but I'm not going to give you a meal plan. <laughs> so that's where that's where I my thoughts on it. Oh, I completely completely agree with that. Yeah, I think people have this misconception that, um, well, a everyone we live in this instant gratification society. So people say, I want to lose weight. Okay, so I'm going to do everything. I'm going to go zero to hundred. I'm going to stop eating all carbs, and I'm going to only eat vegetables, <laughs> and da da da. And it's like. Yeah, but you're not setting yourself up for success. You're setting yourself up for failure because you're making the mountain too high to climb over. You're just going to fall back and have a binge, right? So, yeah, so for, for meal plans, yeah, it's very restrictive. We're saying you can't eat all of these things where 
when when you preach nutrition and macros, okay, well now we're saying, well, you can eat, you know, quality. We want you to have, you know, the eighty twenty rule, or I don't know what you what you guys preach, but you know, the eighty percent quality, twenty percent, just like figure out. Yeah, yeah. Exactly what I said. Yeah. Um, okay, so. Shane, do you have any experience with like meal plans? Um, more, more recently, um, somewhat, and some of the food prep services, uh, I guess, is a bit in that direction, if not, um, not completely what you're referring to. Um, and I think, I think it maybe in some of the beginning stages, and someone who really needs help, it could be somewhat useful just as general education is being increased and some of the example meals are, are being consumed, they'll start educating themselves. But then I very much feel the same way you guys do is that you kind of need to know what's going on so that you understand like, Hey, I've been slipping. I know how much I've been slipping and I need to get back on track or, you know what, this is going to be okay. It's going to be one meal at Thanksgiving. I'm fine. You know? Yeah. So, uh, what was your experience being a high-level gymnast with nutrition? Was there an importance behind it, or how was how was it placed upon you guys? So, with um, with the world of gymnastics, most people kind of have heard some stuff about female gymnasts and some of the issues they tend to have, and you know, the the male gymnasts can often be in the other direction, um, and and you probably see a lot more of this in the CrossFit world, and that. We just need to consume more. You know, these guys are training six hours a day and trying to put on muscle and strength, and you sometimes just have caloric deficit issues, mm -hmm. which I think is much more common and parallels what we're dealing with in, in some of the CrossFit world and some of the exercise people we're dealing with or that you guys are probably dealing with as nutritionists, whereas the women's side of it, it was, you know, this, this mentality that they had to have less and stay small. And um, so I, I dealt with not being able to eat enough and unfortunately back then I made some very poor choices on on how to get the extra calories I needed. So what do you mean by poor choices? What did you do? <laughs> um, so one of the female gymnasts that was on my college team was sitting next to me in a night class and I had my, my uh, post-dinner one snack before I had dinner two at home and at the end of class she looked at me and she she said do you know how much you just ate and I was like no what are you talking about she's like you ate about a thousand calories snacking in class <laughs> and I had a tin of, of like flavored almonds I had Cheetos a Dr. Pepper and a Mountain Dew and that was my my snack between my two dinners so nice and it, it wasn't unusual for me to put six cans of soda a day down. So Ooh, wow. Okay. <laughs> so I was I was getting the calories that I needed. They were just far from good calories. Yeah, a little bit nutrient devoid, but uh, definitely calorically dense. Yeah, for sure. Wow. Hey, you gotta do what you gotta do. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think that too. That's like it, that's where the learning curve comes in, and. It's kind of um, a funny thing to look back and think, well, you went to the Olympics for gymnastics, yet no one taught you the basics of nutrition and how to fuel your body properly. And, you know, CrossFit has blown up in these past, uh, you know, five, six years. And and first we pushed paleo, and then now, you know, we pushed zone, and then now we're pushing macros. But I think the underlying thing is we're pushing that you need to fuel the body for performance if those are your goals. Obviously, fueling for performance versus fueling for uh, weight loss, leaning out, aesthetics is going to be different. But we're putting this pressure on everyone to say, hey, you need to learn more about 
how to eat better, right? Why are we eating better? All of this where, and even, you know, I was a college athlete and no one talked to us about proper eating habits. I mean, every girl on the team had eating disorders and no one talked about it. And kind of just like this normal thing. And I look back and from going, from having my eating disorder in college to jumping right into CrossFit, I gained over 30 pounds with paleo because I went from under eating to like super high fat, right? <laughs> like super high fat. And I'm like, no, this is fine. And I'm like, why am I, why am I not losing weight? I'm just, just, just gaining weight. Uh, and then, you know, so obviously, but also I had damaged my metabolism, but you know, everyone's story is not mine, but, um, only through that did I learn how to properly feel my body. But before, every time I was eating, it gave me anxiety. Like, you know, am I gaining weight by eating this one thing, right? So I think that the fact that we're pushing the education side of things is way better now because we're being able, we're able to help a lot more people understand it. And the, the goal is not to handhold your clients forever because, you know, you both don't have time for that. Um, but it is what Mike was saying, where with meal plans, you do have to handhold more. Where with macros, you're kind of giving them the free reins and saying, I hope you choose the right, I hope you make the right decision. We'll see, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, this is a, this is a twofold question, but uh, what is the most challenging things to deal with from clients and then vice versa? What is the most um, challenging thing when dealing with a nutritionist? So, uh, Lindsay, Mike, you guys can go first. Okay. Um, I'll grab this one, I guess, first. Um, so what's the most challenging thing to deal with from a nutritionist point of view, I guess, with a client? Um, I would have to say the two things that come to mind would be, um, number one would be the psychological components of, I guess, maybe emotional eating or someone's connection with food. Let's say if they have an unhealthy relationship with food. So I get a fair amount of clients who, and it's, this is actually still to this day a little bit surprising to me, um, CrossFit, and I'm going to go off on a little bit of a tangent here. So CrossFit from the outside view, let's say somebody who doesn't understand CrossFit and they're sort of looking in, they're watching, you know, whatever, or catch something on YouTube and you see these people with these muscles and they're ripped and they got this freaking awesome performance and you think that they have this really healthy relationship with food. But a vast majority of people, both male and female, have previous eating disorders. Um, and they bring, and this is just what you were talking about, Chrissy, and they bring that with them into the consult. And even though you get somebody following macros and they understand good food quality, they still have and always will have these issues with food. And it's funny, in a cyclical fashion, I see it come up where I'll have clients who seem to be doing really well and then boom they get derailed and then all of a sudden they're having issues with food or they I hear comments when I talk to them and this is why one of, this is one of the main reasons why I I'll Skype with my clients because I like to have a face-to-face -face. and you can see it in their face when they start saying oh you know I feel like I was eating too much and so I, I started to you know drop my macros a bit and I, I cut some carbs out or I dropped my fat to 50 you know let's say they're normally at 70 and then you know, all of a sudden I'm like, well, how was that week? Oh, you know, I, I'm, I felt really bad and my performance was poor and they can't help but do that because they have this bad relationship with food. And over the years, I mean, I've, I've put some tools in my toolbox to help me deal with that. And that's almost outside of the nutrition component where you're almost getting into like, I don't even know, like uh, 
not not a consulting, but it's like you know a therapy session in a way. And yeah. to me, I find that really challenging because there's times I don't feel like I have the proper tools to deal with that, um, and there's only so much I can do to help that client. So that would be number one as far as the challenging part. Um, number two would be the client that seems to be resistant to getting to their goals no matter what you do. Um, and once again, over the years, I, I feel like I've put a lot of tools in my toolbox and there's different techniques and strategies we'll use with clients, whether it's macro manipulation or backloading or whatever, you know, um, to try to get a client to their goals, be it performance or body composition. And some clients are just outliers or whatever. I don't know if they're not compliant. It's hard to say. It can be frustrating from my end. And they, they just, no matter what you do, they just don't seem to reach their goals. And to me, that's like, that is one of the most challenging clients to deal with. And that's my story. <laughs> Those are my situations that I feel are, are the most challenging things, for, at least from, in my opinion. What do you think? Oh, I, I, yeah. Yeah, I, I completely agree, Mike. Um, that's one of the hardest things I think is trying to get my you know my clients as well to understand food intake. So I think the biggest thing too, especially for my women, is having them understand eating more. And you, you know, and I think it is the the past with the emotional side that they have with food. Um, you know, and it's and like we said, I feel like everyone's immediate answer is, oh, I need to stop eating to lose weight. Yeah. And, um, and that's, that's very hard for me to wrap my head around to why women especially feel that way. Um, I guess, you know, if you, you grow up a certain way and, and, you know, I guess depending how you're brought up and, and how, you know, your relationship um, with food, whether that be, you know, how your parents are, um, I feel like that has to do with a lot of it. And um, that's, that's, definitely hard um, as a nutritionist to to try and know you know you got to say the right thing um, to get your client to understand that that it's okay mm -hmm. to not be scared um, of what they're eating yeah yeah and I mean, so, and I think um, once again this is kind of another tangent but um, I think like I'd have to say probably maybe 75% to 80% of my client base is female um, so yeah and when it comes to eating disorders, I'd have to say a vast majority of the clients that I have with eating disorders are female. There's, I have a few that have a past history that are male. But what I think we'll see in the future is a lot more males developing eating disorders. And the reason is, the number one reason I'd have to say is social media. There's a lot more pressure on guys to look a certain way now. In the past, there's been a ton of pressure on females, whether it's from the 80s and the cosmopolitan and runway model era, and just the pressure that maybe females put on themselves. But nowadays, I'm seeing, at least when I flip through my phone and I'm looking through Instagram, it's like, dudes with abs, dudes with abs, dudes with pecs, dudes with abs. And I don't swing that way, I'm just saying, this is what's on my phone. But, uh, but, uh, I'm just saying, I'm like, wow, there's a, there's just a lot more pressure on guys to look a certain way now. So I bet in the future, and I mean, I don't have a lot of guys that have eating disorders and most, I don't know why that is. Um, it's, it's never been an issue for me. Maybe Shane, you can chime in on this a little more from a, from a gymnast point of view. But, um, I don't know when I look at food, I'm like, I want to eat it. That's really what I think, right? It's like really stupid and primal, right? 
where I think women look at this food like, how is this going to make me feel and what will this do to me? And they're, they're a lot more connected with their food and how it affects their body. And I know I'm totally rambling right now, but uh, um, Shane, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think the, the societal pressures or norms is, is probably what's fed mostly into you seeing more women with men, than men with eating disorders. Mm-hmm. I bet you there's maybe a higher percentage of men with eating disorders than you see or you realize, and they're just, they're hiding it. You know, it's not, it's not like, I think we've kind of come to a point where even people's good stuff and bad stuff, it's like, oh, you're dealing with that. Cool. I'm dealing with that too. There's a lot more acceptance with stuff. So maybe the women who are dealing with eating disorders are a little more open about it. And the guys are still like, nah, man, I'm fine. I'm yeah. cool. Yeah. There's still some of that going on. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. I think you had nailed it there for sure. Yeah. And so what I was thinking too is uh what's what's most challenging from like swapping swap swapping point of views from being the uh, customer is I hear I see it all the time actually when people email us in for nutrition advice and um, it's a lot of times when they see the price they just immediately don't they're not interested right. And my thought process, one, is, well, what were they thinking the price was? But two, it's less about them not being able to pay, more about what value do they see in in hiring a nutritionist, right? Um, So I've seen a lot of things where it's like if you go out to eat, whatever, one time a day, it's going to cost the same amount that it would cost to hire a nutritionist. Obviously, it depends on where you're eating, blah, 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 right? Um, But it's frustrating from my point of view to see that people aren't valuing changing that part of themselves enough to be like, Oh, well, you know what? I think I'm actually just going to go online and download a template and uh, that's like 20 bucks. That's what I'm going to do. And it's like, okay, well you're going to set yourself up for failure, but good luck. Good luck with that. Yeah. Right. Um, and so that's what I see as like frustrating from being a customer's point of view and seeing other potential customers say, well, that's too expensive. And it's like, I understand that, but I think where do you value your bettering your performance? Where do you value meeting your goals? Where do you value um, losing weight, right? Like, that's my question that I would ask them. So, um, so okay, the next question is where do you prioritize quality versus quantity? And this can be nutritionist and athlete. Um, and with that question, I want you to also think about those clients you have with like 600 grams of carbs. <laughs> and then my, my real question is, yes, but how can you really value quality when your, <laughs> your quantity is so high? And the 600 grams of carbs is like obviously an outlier. I would love 600 grams of carbs. But I, I was going to say, I would love you that. Don't, you don't want 600 grams of carbs. It's so hard. <laughs> yes. Or that's. I'll, I'll start with that, right? Yeah, so that's part way. of the problem is that if you're trying to put on some muscle size, you have a generally fast metabolism, you're close to your, your potential peak weight as it is, you know, and you're, you're training two or three times a day, you're, you're going to start to hate food from the other side of it. You're like, I have to eat more. I still have so many more to go for the day. It gets tough. The quality factor you know, then comes into to play quite a bit. If you're only consuming a small amount of food, say you're on the leaner side and you're trying to lean out and it's slightly on the lower side, then, then some of these guys that are, you know, putting away 5,000 calories a day, it's a little easier to make them all quality. 
But I, like I would notice with me, if I don't eat enough and it's not timed reasonably well, I just feel tired. I feel lethargic. Sometimes I will opt for quick, crappy, say, carbs that will at least keep me going a little bit better than not eating anything. Because if I've got nothing in sight, nothing in easy, easy reach for half an hour or an hour, I may make the choice that let me get something that's less than ideal, but I'm still, I've still got some fuel happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think... Um, yeah. Go ahead, Lindsay. I got some thoughts, but uh, I'll, I'll let, you, let you jump in. Okay, yeah. Um, so I think, you know, for being a higher-level athlete... Um, you know, I, for me, for example, you know, I eat 300 carbs, um, especially, you know, with my job, um, in my training and, you know, to that extent, when we have, you know, the higher, um, quantity, we, it's more so, okay, Hey, let's put in some lower nutrient density foods. So, you know, whether, you know, the, not even just your vegetables and, um, and your sweet potatoes, but you know, the, whether that be bread or, uh, you know, I don't suggest that for, for all my athletes, but, you know, the higher level ones that are trying to get those carbs in um, that are more fulfilling and not just, um, you know, the high density um, nutrients um, in that case. Yeah. No, you're, 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 you're trying to be too nice about it. You just need to call them dirty carbs. Um, <laughs> yeah, or just, that. Sometimes... <laughs> When you're over 300 grams as a female, 400 as a male, you just got to get dirty. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I mean, I mean, the question comes back to where do you prioritize quality versus quantity? Um, I mean, right off the bat when I do my nutrition, nutrition lectures, um, I place a 50-50 on it. But, and there's a big caveat on that, as always with any freaking question in nutrition, it depends. It really depends on the client, their goals, what they're doing. So... I mean, if we take the high-end performance-based athlete who has a very high need for fueling, um, in my experience, when female athletes get over that 300 grams and male athletes get over that 400 grams, it makes it almost physically impossible to keep the quality high. And when we talk about quality, we're talking about whole unprocessed food. So we're talking about white rice, we're talking about sweet potato, we're talking about oatmeal. When you're hitting 400 grams of carbs, you can only fit so much into your body at one point in time. And just like what you said, Lindsay, um, you need to get calorically dense, nutrient devoid food. Maybe not devoid, but um, maybe not nutrient dense food, right? So um, what we look for would be obviously, you know, you're going to your post-workout carb sugars. You're going to, like, you mentioned bread and that made me giggle. because there's more and more nowadays I'm like recommending some clients I'm like look man if, you, if you're having trouble fitting that sweet potato in why don't you chuck a couple loaves of bread down and you're like what really I can do that I'm like yeah you can totally do that man you need to but then on the flip side you've got a client who is over fat they have a high body fat percentage um, they they're not training 12 or 16 times a week they're training three four times a week maybe um, they need to prioritize the quality, right? And if yeah. they're and they're not going to have the caloric needs that a 25-year-old, you know, seven percent body fat, you know, 225 pounds is going to need, right? Um, their caloric needs are going to be a lot less, so the quality should and can be very, very high. So it goes back to once again, it depends. It depends on your client. It depends on their individual needs, and it depends on their goals. So. 
Both are important. It just you got to put it in the right place, right time. So. Yeah. And, and going off of that too, I I don't think we've talked about this before, but a lot of the higher level female athletes in CrossFit on social media will always post what they're eating, and it's always just vegetables, like vegetables and meat, right? And like white meat. And I'm like, there's no way they're living off of this. Like, there, you never see a carb in sight. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know. <laughs> Anytime you look at anything on social media, you always got to look at it with a great deal of skepticism. Um, <laughs> that's all I can say. You know, that's all I can say. Yeah, so. yeah it's, uh, it's just funny because, I mean, I'm sure they don't think about that, but there's young people that look up to them, right? And they say, well, they do this, so I'll do this. But in some regards, it's like, well, don't don't follow what they're doing because they're high-level athletes that are completely ill, like that only showcase their eating vegetables, which is great. But how many vegetables can you really eat one day? Like how many really? Well, yeah, yeah well, that's exactly it. And, and the athletes that I have that, that have high-caloric needs, the feedback I'll get from them often is like, Mike, I'm, I'm having a tough time getting some vegetables in because they're like, they look at their cup of broccoli and they're going, what the fuck am I going to do with 12 grams of carbs? Like, come on, man. And they're like, it's, it's very, it's very filling, right? It's very fibrous. It's very filling. And they're like, okay, 12 grams off of 400. Oh my God. I still got tons to go. It's just like what you were saying, Shane. It's just like, you know, yes. like, I got, you have to eat all day long. And if you're doing doubles or you're doing triples, it's like, Broccoli? Yeah, I don't have time or room for broccoli. I'm like, give me yeah. the freaking Fruit Loops right now. So, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that that is a legit problem that that some athletes have. They still have a high requirement for for micronutrients, but their their caloric needs and their carbohydrate needs almost trump that. I I know I shouldn't be using that word, but you know what I mean. Um, yeah. it's um, yeah. Sorry, Canadian in me. I still use it. Um, I don't even think about it. Um, but uh. Yeah, but they, they sort of like, they're like, okay, what's more important? And, and sometimes you have to have a balance in there. Like, you still it is still important. In fact, it's probably even more important than the average person to get a high micronutrient density going on. But they also have a very high caloric and carbohydrate need. So, it's a problem. It's a, it's a high-level yeah. athlete problem. So, I know. Sorry, go, Lindy. No, um, for me personally, um, you know, as an athlete... You know, before it was a lot of trial and error. I mean, I remember it's funny. I look back and I'm, I remember when I thought 100 calorie packs were healthy. Like, <laughs> you know, like it was okay if I eat a 100 calorie pack. Like, you know that that's that's the best that's the best thing to do. And yeah, so but it's just, eat five of them in one sitting. Exactly. <laughs> they are so good. They are so good. Um, and it was you know, especially being a college athlete, and now I never. With being, you know, with being basketball, like we always ate what we wanted, and you know, I never really had to worry about what I was eating. I felt like we were always working it off, um, and so I don't know, just kind of learning from trial and error, and just getting my mindset to change. Um, to you know, we I've done it all from just paleo to the zone to you know a thirty day diet, and and just from doing it all and, and understanding and knowing the thought process. Um, I think, especially for my clients, that, I mean, that's just the hardest thing, is just getting them to understand that there isn't a specific diet for every person. And, yeah. and 
I, I mean, we can continue to talk about that forever. And um, that's like the first thing I'm always honest with my clients is I'm not, I can't sit here and tell you that this is exactly what you need to be eating, um, you know, um, meal wise. But, um, and I think that's the hardest part um, for sure for all clients to, to understand. Yeah, I think people really want black and white. And when it comes to nutrition, there really isn't black and white. Like there's, there's so many different variables that will affect people. And, um, but going back to like the, that whole diet, that quote unquote, the diet, whether it's like the paleo diet or the South Beach diet or the keto diet or whatever, right? Like, yeah, that's what I tell my clients too. I'm like, this is not a diet. This is learning how to eat for you. And what? One thing I'll, I'll emphasize that you said is like the client has to figure that out. And I think this will segue into uh, Chrissy's question that was emailed in. Um, you know, why, why don't you go into that question right now, Chrissy? So I'm actually going to segue into that question. Lucky. <laughs> 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 I'm to all my fans out there and ask them they can send the question. My one fan did. <laughs> It's my boyfriend. That's why I'm making fun of myself. Okay. So he he said, how do you know when a client will do better with a different breakdown of macros? So high fat versus high carb. Um, playing off that is in the CrossFit industry. Uh, I think the carb has been the buzz the buzzword lately. So everyone says, oh, broken knee, eat some more carbs. Oh, lose weight, eat some carbs. Oh, gain weight, eat some carbs. Right. But the reality is. I don't think that that's going to work for everyone and everyone's goals, right? So how do you learn about the client and learn how to start, how to create their starting macros? Hmm. That's a really, really yeah. good question. Um, that is a really good question. Would you want to start, Lindsay, or you want me to start? Um, you go ahead. Okay. Yeah, I mean, over the years, um, I mean, I've done... Personally and with clients, I've done the low carb thing. I mean, I, w- I went through that phase, right? Um, you know, Rob Rob Wolf was a big mentor of mine, um, and at the time, it was the thing to do, right? Um, the high fat was the thing to do, and um, it, I mean, in all honesty, I mean, it worked for some people. It tends it it did it did break a lot of people eventually, and that's a complex topic we won't get into. But over over long periods of time, that's not a sustainable um, diet to get into and maintain a high level performance. Um, but I mean, the question at heart is, okay, um, how do you tell which macronutrient ratios are going to work for a client? And you can't right off the bat, you won't. And it's trial and error, right? So there's, there's specific formulas that I'll use and there's, there's a starting point that I'll use for everybody. And it's, it's basically based on what they've been doing in the past, you know, what their caloric needs are, um, I have my personal biases for specific macronutrient ratios, which I'll start a client off on. And within a short amount of time, you'll know if it's going to work or not. And there'll always be outliers out there. They're few and far between. Some people do better with more fat. Some people do better with less fat. A lot of it has to do, and once again, this is only my opinion, a lot of it has to do with their GI tolerance. Um, I find a large proportion of people don't deal well with high fat intake as far as gastrointestinal distress and digestion. Um, 
for the most part, and this is a massive generalization, so nobody send me any massive nasty emails, but <laughs> people, I mean, 99.9% .9 of my client base is CrossFit, so this is the demographic I work with. Um, a vast majority of people will do well with a high carbohydrate intake. Now high, once again, is relative. Um, where I might be at 300 grams to maintain my weight, Lindsay's at 300 grams to maintain her performance. So high is very relative, right? Um, so I don't know if I can go into any more detail than that. I mean, it's just, I mean, I think it's a great question, um, but it just, once again, it just depends, right? I do have a few people who sit on the higher end of the scale for fat, for their fat intake. And that's only because of the feedback they give me. They're like, you know, when my fat's higher, I feel better. You know, I just, I feel like I recover better. I feel like my cognition's better in the morning. And then on the flip side, I've had some athletes who've jumped on board for consulting and right away they're like, they're like, dude, I know I feel good at 50 grams of fat. If I push it to 80 grams of fat, bad stuff happens with my guts. And obviously there's, there's probably long standing chronic underlying dysbiosis or something going on. Some, some maldigestion, um, Know, who knows what going on that can be a tough one to diagnose but that's my experience with that I don't even know if that answers the question fully but what do you what do you think about that Lindsay um, completely agree um, that was that was the way um, that's how I go about it as well you know I have um, a certain certain formula that you know that I use um, for all my clients but you're right like you know very quickly if how that person is responding especially if you know, their goal is performance in the gym. Mm -hmm. um, that's, that's definitely huge. And you can tell from the bat, you know, most of, most of the women that I have, um, they immediately are like, wow, my energy. I mean, that's, it's probably, I'd say about 90% of mine are more carb, you know, it's, yep. it's higher carb. Um, now, depending on, you know, their activity level and, and that, you know, how high, like you said, um, how high the carbs are. But for example, um, my husband, um, I had him on, he was on doing high carbs for, for a while, like with me, probably for about six months. And he just kept feeling, it was like, he was getting almost, not worse in the gym, but sluggish. Mm -hmm. He just wasn't hitting where he needed to be. And so his fat, um, his fat, we hired his fat. And I mean, it's been a huge difference for him. Interesting. I mean, yeah. And, and so it worked for him. And so it was just kind of a trial and error, um, like we said, and just seeing, okay, what, you know, how do you, how does your body react um, to what you're eating? So yeah, I, I agree. I agree with everything you said. So, so Shane, when, um, yeah. did you ever have any experience with, with macros um, outside of CrossFit? No, definitely not. It was, it was just generally to try and, eat better, eat healthier choices, consume more water rather than the six cans of soda I was doing a day, that kind of stuff. <laughs> you got you to clean up the basics first, eh? <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, but I, what, but what, I have noticed, I think, um, I had a question that kind of popped in my head as I was hearing you guys. As you're adjusting people's uh, you know, fats and carbs and stuff, what if something is working performance-wise for someone, but it's messing with their gut still? Is that usually a quality issue of what they're consuming? Oh, yeah, that can be a tough one. Um, when it comes to, I always say gut issues are analogous to like shoulder issues. Because the shoulder has such an, uh, as a disclaimer, I'm not a physio, 
Um, <laughs> because the shoulder has such a crazy range of motion, it can be really tough to figure out really quickly what exactly mm. is going on. Is it, you know, is it a rotator cuff? Is it a labral tear? What the hell is it? Nobody knows. Um, you got to do some diagnostics. Gut issues can be really, really hard to figure out. Um, so, so your question was if they have a performance increase. So they're, mm-hmm. obviously their performance is getting better in the gym, but all of a sudden they've developed some GI issues. How you deal with that? Yeah, developed or it's, it's you know just made it worse. Yeah, the first. I mean, there's can be lots of ways to to look at it. One of the first things that I'll I'll look at is okay. Obviously, their energy requirements are good because performance is increasing. But if there's a gut issue, the first thing I'll look at is the quality aspect. So. This is where the client's food logging comes in, right? So I'll go back. Okay, when did these when did these gut issues start? When did they get worse? Let's pinpoint some food quality issues. And there's always some common offenders that'll stick out there, um, but it can be really tough. It's like the common stuff, like you know, the egg intolerance, the gluten intolerance, the dairy. Like those are pretty common offenders. That okay, if those are in there, boom, 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 I'll pull those out. But let's say a, a client's eating, you know, quote unquote clean, and I know that means different things for different people. Um, I'll start to look at specific FODMAP issues. Um, and those are specific types of indigestible carbohydrates that um, if somebody, somebody like let's say, you know, the person that says, oh yeah, dude, I can't eat onions, like bad stuff happens to me. Generally speaking, that means they have a FODMAP disorder. And now off the top of my head, it's like fructans, oligosaccharides, monosaccharides, uh, I always forget what the A is, P is polyols. What they are is just, like I said, different types of indigestible carbohydrates. And uh, more and more people I'm finding don't have gluten issues, they actually have FODMAP issues. And it can be really freaking hard to figure that out because if you look at the FODMAP list and all you have to do is Google it, it basically lists every nutrient-dense vegetable on the planet. So um, it can be tough to pinpoint. So you have to go through a client's food log and say, okay, when did you incorporate this? When did you do that? So it can be really time-consuming to figure out. But um, that's that's an interesting question. And I don't know if I've had somebody have an increase in performance, but then their guts went out the window. Um, And if it wasn't FODMAP, I mean, it it could always be a number of other things. But um, Lindsay, what do you think about that? Mm-hmm. I don't. I haven't personally had um, anybody. Usually, um, it kind of goes hand in hand um, with my people that I've had that I've dealt with um, with performance um, and uh, you know what their specific goals are. Um, so um, I'm going to kind of just follow up with you, Mike, and yeah. and, and your answer there. I'm 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 not sure on that. I mean, I have seen a couple times where um, somebody has an upper limit for, oh, somebody, everybody has an upper limit for caloric intake. And this is why I use formulas for clients initially off the bat. But one thing I'll be very clear up front is I I always say you can't jam an athlete into a formula and expect it to work every time, right? Um, And somebody, like, let's say if I come up and there's a couple different formulas I use for caloric intake. And let's say, as an example, um, I got athlete A, you know, Johnny Rocket, and it says, oh, Johnny Rocket needs 4,000 calories. And, you know, if, if he starts eating 4,000 calories, and then a week later he's like, oh, dude, you know, I've got like wicked esophageal reflux and I feel bloated all the time. And, and 
and that can be from something simple as overeating. And this kind of segues into what Chrissy was talking about. It's like carbs, this carbs, that, you know, got a busted knee, eat some carbs, want to lose weight, eat carbs. And this is a trend I see now, and it's not necessarily a bad one, but it's not always the fix to overfeed your clients. Um, I've seen people develop GI issues from like pushing their specifically from pushing their carbohydrates from let's say they're at 250 up to 300 up to 350 and it's like oh you need these carbs you're a performance-based athlete yeah that's true but there is a specific limit for how much a person can digest right so that can be something too you could have a performance increase from the readily available um, you know sugars and, and you know topped up glycogen stores but it could also completely screw someone's guts up. So you have to find balance in there too, right? Just throwing yeah. a thought out there. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you got me thinking think, on the fly. So I think that the key in, in life is balance. But uh, as humans, we're not good at it. So Oh, that's a well, fact. Yeah. 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 I'll keep working on that. Um, Mike, where are we at with time right now? Um, I kind of started recording a little bit before Lindsay jumped on, but I got an hour and seven minutes, so we're probably okay. in around an hour or we're so. We're going to wrap it up. Okay, um, so one thing I wanted to do is ask Shane a gymnastics question, which I know this is like completely off topic that we've been going on, but uh, Shane, from your expertise, what is the biggest thing that you're seeing CrossFitters do wrong with gymnastics? And if you can give them one skill to work on to kind of better their gymnastics as a whole, what would it be? All right. I'll actually take a kind of positive approach to this. And in the four years that I've been teaching gymnastics, and I'm hoping you guys see some of this happen with the nutrition side of it as well, too, is there is more information out there and there's more quality information out there. And so when people come to me or when I go to people for the first time, Every six months or every year, they're coming to me at a higher level than they ever had before as a whole, which is fantastic. And one of the big things that they're doing is they're paying better attention to and, and stressing and emphasizing the body control in the basic movements and positions, which with gymnastics is your hollowing arches, right? Whether, whether I talk to a CrossFitter or I'm dealing with a 14-year-old you know, competitive gymnast, there are so many of your problems that can be solved by a better, stronger hollower arch. Nice. Yeah. I like it. I like you, it. I, I like the. Sorry. Go ahead. What do you think um, with like strict and tempo work? Like, do you are you a firm believer of the strict before kipping? Okay, so I love strict and tempo stuff, and when I have clients uh, until they're at like a mid to a high level. That is probably two-thirds or three-quarters of the work I give them. However, I don't believe in one before the other. I believe sort of the parallel pathway route. So I will have a client doing, say, tempo and strict pulling while doing beat swings or ring swings because the, the basics of, say, a ring swing can take years to develop to the level that I really want my customers to have it and I want athletes to have it. And if they don't start that until after they've got five or 10 or 15 strict pull-ups, they'll be six months, a year, or two years behind. Now, I won't have them doing muscle-ups while doing strict pull-ups, for example, but I will have them doing the strict strength of pulling, the transition strict strength, the dipping or pushing strict strength, 
and working all of the components of their swing at the same time. That may come together in three months, it may come together in six months, but if I separate those two timelines, it'll take a whole lot longer. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So, to wrap this up um, for right now, um, Lindsay and Shane, can you give us your social media accounts so people can figure out where to follow you if they wanna stay up to date with all of your stuff? Sure thing. Mine is Bimflip. That's B-I-M-F-L-I-P. Um, that's pretty much my everything. That's my email address, my Instagram, the Snapchat, the whole bit. Okay. Yeah. My uh, my Instagram is lens underscore un twenty two, um, and then my Facebook you can find Lindsay Ewan, um, and then my email is lindsayewan at gmail .com. You probably have to spell Ewan because I wouldn't spell it how you spell it. Yeah, that's true. So it's L-E-N-Z-I-E is my first name. And then E-W-I-N. Yeah, because you and I would put a U there. There's no yeah. U. Yeah. Oh, oh, girl, I know. And <laughs> Mike, what's your social? I don't even know. Um, Mike, Mike, okay. Mike, Mike, Mike Dynamic. I think it's Mike Dynamic. That's what it is. <laughs> Yeah, people know where to get a hold of me. Just Google Nova Three Labs. Come on. Um, and uh, for any of the listeners, if you have any questions um, for anyone on the podcast, feel free to field them to me. You can send me an email. Uh, if there's any specific things you want us to go over that we didn't go over, you can send an email to info at nova the number three labs dot com. And as well as always, <clears throat> follow our social media channels. Um, stay up to date on any sales that we have or anything exciting uh that's at nova the number three labs um speaking of that we're actually getting ready to end of next week we should have our newest product ready to ship to our fulfillment center which is um a bca coffee creamer oh, yeah. so vanilla flavor and it mixes with coffee so it's, it basically it mixes with the hot coffee so don't mix it with like normal water um and it's for those early morning workouts when you don't want to like chug a cup of coffee plus your fruity flavored BCAAs, right? Uh, that's like too much going into it. So we think this is gonna be really exciting, <laughs> especially for those people that don't, are, are more coffee drinkers, right? Those people that drink coffee throughout the week. Yeah. yeah. Um, I love that, that's awesome. And then we are also uh, taste testing some flavors for our carb supplement. Um, did you taste those, Mike? I haven't yet, but I haven't had a, a worthy workout of it, so that's okay. why. Um, yeah, We're also no. taste testing some new flavors of Max Perform. So we just taste, I taste tested sour gummy worm and Mike. So this is a background story. I said, Mike, let's get some new flavors. And I said, what about sour gummy worm? He said, that's disgusting. What about black cherry? And I said, what are you, 80? Black cherry? <laughs> <laughs> Eat black cherry, Mike. Uh, Mike. See, this has got to be a Canadian thing. I remember growing up as a kid. Okay, no, I'm gonna waste more time talking about my childhood here. You guys probably <laughs> don't know if I say pop shop pop, you have no idea what I'm talking I about. Do. Do you? I do. My mom's Canadian, and we used to go up for summer, so I know what you're talking about. Nice, huge amount of respect just earned. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So there used to be there used to be a store that you used to go to buy pop which is cola maybe in the u.s you call it cola we call it pop here and there was a flavor and it was black cherry and they never had many you'd get like your regular flavor i don't know anyways black cherry is freaking <laughs> awesome so i actually i actually I never had many 
I use a product right now. It's uh, I'm gonna pitch another company, and I got no affiliation to them. It's a company called Human N, and they make uh, a beetroot product. So anybody that knows anything about supplementation, um, beetroot can improve your oxygen. Um, I guess your your oxygen uptake, or it spares your oxygen, so it can be oxygen sparing. That's how the nitric oxide works. Um, anyways, they make a product with with beetroot in it. And it's a black cherry, and it's freaking awesome. So, anyways, nice. I thought it was a good idea, and Chrissy's like, "Are you cracked?" And I'm like, "Oh, whatever." <laughs> so, I guess I'm getting. Are you sending me a sample of this sour worm or whatever it is? <laughs> sour worm BCA is. I don't know. It just doesn't sound appealing. That's so bitter, you know, like angry old man on the porch. I can oh. just see the Instagram post. He scoops it straight into his mouth and his face just puckers up. <laughs> just be lucky you don't have to live with me. My wife's got to deal with this every day. Um. So, yeah, so it's that. And then um, I sent you two different samples. Um, and then cool. we're getting two more samples from another company. That one was like, didn't we choose like mango pineapple or something weird? Yeah, yeah. That'll be good. That'll oh, be really good. yeah. So we're we're... Fielding some new flavors. We're probably going to put up a poll on Instagram. We're going to include uh, our customer base as much as possible. Just because it's more fun to get everyone's input. And then uh, we'll probably see that within the next uh, 90 days. So. Yep. so stay tuned for that. Cool. So thank you so much for your time today, Shane and Lindsay. I, it's so much fun to get other people on the podcast. Because Mike and I talk to each other like every day. Right. So <laughs> it's so fun <laughs> to so bring in other interviews. Yeah and backgrounds and thank you so much for your time and um i appreciate it yeah, yeah. thanks for coming on guys it's awesome get some input yeah. from everybody from different perspectives so much appreciated thank you very much yeah that's yeah, been fun sure. thank you all right well let's wrap it up and uh yeah we'll talk to you guys later thank you all right see all you, you got it thanks guys bye